And man, I got a special guest from back in my Lexington food truck days. I've known this man for a long, long time. He makes, I made barbecue for a long time. But let me tell you something. This man makes barbecue and, and Southern food in a way that I just never could. My mama could, but I couldn't. Uh, and and that, that man's name is Chef Chris Kane, the owner of the Daughter Southern Food Truck. Chef, you and I both started in food tents on the side of the road, man, and and we do not wait for things to be perfect. We just get after it and and get to it. Isn't that right? That's right. So I uh, I appreciate you coming on to my first live on YouTube and being the guinea pig. So we were we were talking a little bit right before everybody came on, uh, and we got our audio fixed here. And uh, Chef was at an event tonight, and go ahead and tell us again how that went, man. It went good. I started out. Um, a little like start out fast and slow down and uh then have a nice little pop right there at the end so um, all in all good night yeah i um you know i i, I want to get into your backstory and your and get some advice for people out there but i i do want to know how is how has your business been dealing with this coronavirus situation oh good question so the truck um i actually got the truck uh back in February. Um, I've been working under a tent for almost four years. Um, got the truck in February, got all the permitting stuff done and, uh, coronavirus hit right after, uh, my first public event. Um, we did one more after that, uh, with the, like I'm just doing a pickup option. I just kind of reevaluated the situation and decided that it was best if we just shut it down for a while. Um, we, we were in a spot where we didn't have a lot of inventory. I didn't really have a staff yet. Um, and there's so many restaurants that were needing those dollars that people could have spent with me to spend there at their restaurants. Um, so I figured, you know, we waited this long. What's a couple more months to, um, to wait. So I spent a couple months just volunteering with, uh, a local nonprofit helping, um, cook some meals for people who are in need. Um, and then once restaurants got to open back up at the 33% capacity, um, we kind of resumed business as usual. See, not been a big of a challenge for us because, uh, because of the design of a food truck. Um, it's like we're in the truck, the customer on the outside of the truck. Um, so it works out pretty well. Yeah, that's nice. You got the ability to be separated from people, which is which is a massive massive advantage when we have to be six feet apart. So, chef, I got a quick question. How? What's your background, man? I I know you you've got a long history and all this stuff, but just walk us through. How did you get into the the food business? So I'm I'm actually a second generation uh, chef. My father was a chef. Uh, my mother was a uh, waitress. They actually met. Um, in a restaurant, um, I was I was tough folks. I was I was born for this, I guess, <laughs> or from this. Um, um, I've worked in restaurants since I was 15 years old. Um, I took off. I, I finished high school. I took a year, about a year and a half, to finish culinary school. Um, came back, went right right back to work. Uh, I spent about five to six years working for corporate chains doing uh new restaurant openings uh i, I left that and I, I spent almost almost a little over nine years uh working for uk and doing uh some of my pop-up stuff on the side for the last four years of that um finished that uh, i took a year and did i worked uh full-time for food chain uh, and i was the we ran a program that helped folks um I train folks how to work in the industry and help them find jobs and kind of monitor their, their success after that. Um, did that for right on a year. Um, then I had to take some time to uh, look after my family. Um, so I spent, so I kind of gave that up. And during that time, I started working on getting the food truck and we are here. So uh, uh, Zach in the chat has a quick question for you, and I think it's a good one. Why did you start a food truck rather than a distribution company, or you know, what what made you be an entrepreneur versus like continuing to work in the 
food supply business? Um, you know, I did it. I, it's it's all I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, like I, you know, that's all I ever went. I was in, I was like, said I was in high school. I wanted to be a chef, um, and I did it for a long time working for other folks, and you know. I had a lot of great opportunities because of that. Like I said, I spent those few years traveling. Um, a couple of years, when I was in the UK, I was the chef for the basketball team. Um, so, you know, I got to meet a lot of, a lot of those, a lot of those guys. That was, that was a good time. I always make the joke that, uh, we won the championship in 2012 because of, of me, not because of Anthony Davis or coach Cal. Um, <laughs> it was I that magic that, food. But, yeah. Yeah. It had nothing to do with it. Um, Wait, what was the what was the player's like favorite favorite meal? What was the power up meal? Um, so for game day, the game day meal, I'm not sure what it is now, but the three years I was there, it was the same thing. It was uh, roasted beef tenderloin, twice baked potato casserole, uh, like a pasta, a pasta bake, uh, and green beans and rolls. They real they're real superstitious. Like they wouldn't come mm-hmm. off of it because the that was the meal they had. I guess when they started the win streak mm-hmm. uh, when Coach Cal first got here, and I think in the three years I was there, they lost I think two home games with mm-hmm. that meal. And I think they traveled with it. I, I never got to go and travel, but I think it's what they ate when they traveled as well. So that they're real superstitious. That was their go-to game day meal. Um, outside that, they. Um, you know, it's hard to realize that they're, they're just, they're seven foot tall, but they're still chill. They're still kids. Yeah. You know, they still like, it's 19 year um, yeah, they like chicken fingers and, um, honey buns and just, you know, stuff like that, like tacos. Um, so you're still catering to a, you know, they might be seven foot tall, but it's a, the child, you know, and mm-hmm. some of some of them come out, you know, they, they leave high school early. So they're, you know even younger than what you think. Um, but, but yeah, that was kind of their go-to. That's cool. That's a very unique experience. We had a, uh, in 2015, uh, we had a, a little food kiosk, a barbecue kiosk at Rupp Arena. And that was the year. They didn't win the championship that year because if we would have had our um, – if we would have had your magic barbecue, maybe they would have actually won the championship. That team went undefeated all year and then lost in the tournament. So I, I liked to joke just like you did. I was like, oh, yeah. It's just, so the key is if the team eats barbecue, they win championships. So somebody should let Coach Cal know because we're on a bit of a dry spell here for the last seven years. So we got to get yeah. the ribs back <laughs> in the players' hands, man. The yeah, you got that right. <laughs> so you you were grinding. Your your family is in the restaurant business. It Was your was it your dad, right? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. He was a chef. He he retired about four years before he passed away. Yeah. Um, four or five years before he passed away. So he was a chef since I was a child. Yeah. Uh, my mother, she gave it up. Um, uh, probably a, a, she switched. She switched careers after the restaurant they worked at, uh, I guess closed or whatever. But um, but yeah, it's all like it's. He's um, he did it his whole life. Yeah. What what was your before we move on, I, I'm really kind of curious now because I was in a family business too for a long time, and so I, I, I know how important food and, and family together can be. What was your like? What's your favorite memory of you and your dad cooking together? You know, over the last however many years. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so I guess I, I guess the best one I could come up with is we worked together at the hotel for a while, uh, where he retired from. And he, when I learned how he made fried chicken, um, he actually like a lot, a lot of folks will use use like a egg wash to bread the chicken or just bread it straight up. He actually used straight hot sauce, and I didn't believe it. And I was I was like, "What are you doing? That's gonna be too hot. Like no one's gonna be able to eat that. Like what are you? That's crazy." He's like, "No, it's gonna work." And like you know, I'm fresh out of culinary school, so I know everything, and mm-hmm. I'm you like, "That's not technique. gonna work." He's yeah, got the like, wisdom. You got the work. technique. <laughs> that's not going to work. And he, he did it, and it was amazing. Like, and it, it's not spicy at all. Like, I guess all the spice cooks out of it when you when you fry it. So you only yeah. get like the flavor, and I guess like some of the vinegar from the hot sauce. 
but it, it, like that's pretty much what, what what I do to this day on the truck. Like I use that recipe. A hot um, sauce wash. That's yeah, amazing. like literally, I've never even he, heard of that or thought of that. That's I mean, uh, I'm, I'm telling here you for that it, though. You you take a, a bottle of like Frank's Red Hot or Louisiana. Like I wouldn't use um, Tabasco. I mean, it, it, it'd probably come out weird. But like just regular like table hot sauce and just drench it in it. Let's go. And then, then flour it like with, with seasoned flour, and it's it's so, good to go. So the next time in Lexington, I'm going to come see your truck because I haven't seen it because I moved away before you got the new truck. Uh, but the next mm-hmm. time in Lexington, I'm coming by the truck. I want the full tour, and then I got We got to make a video where you make this chicken, man. Like people need to yeah. know about this this secret. Like it's we got Nashville hot chicken here, but this sounds like it it might. It's not. But this. it's not even spicy. That's what's crazy. That's why I didn't think it was going to work. I was like. I saw. I was like, no, this is this is not a good idea. It's not going to work. But that's awesome. And, you know, and we so we worked together for a while. Um, so um, I get some of my, uh, I guess, attitude from him. Um, mm-hmm. We uh, I, I, another story I, I can share with you is we were working under like. The, when I first started there, there was another chef. And my dad was just like, he was the line cook. And I was, I was a, like a prep cook. And, um, the chef would, you know, try to, you know, try to play big shot. And we had these one night we had what they call, he called them ribs. And it's kind of hard for me to tell the story without, without a piece of paper. But, um, the chef grabbed a piece of paper and he drew like a diagram of a pig. And, and he showed us where the baby back ribs were. He showed us where the Kansas City ribs were or, you know, spare ribs. And he said that these ribs came from this area. And my dad swore to him, he said, listen, I've been cooking for a long time. Those are not ribs. Those are neck bones. So he took the pencil from the chef and actually got done drawing his diagram and drew a neck on the pig <laughs> and said, no, this is where those ribs came from. These are neck bones. That's where Applebee's and, gets them riblets from. Yeah. Now, it didn't even look like those. Like, you could tell, like, if you ever had barbecue neck bones, it's it was definitely neck bones. But he just covered them in barbecue sauce and called them ribs, and he thought it was oh. going to fly. I mean, he sold them, he liked them, but you know, don't try even, to tell my dad. Uh, don't get me started on the barbecue atrocities that are committed all across America, man. I can't. Uh, I, we'll be here all night. Like I can't, I can't. I can't do it. Speaking of barbecue, I got uh, what's new barbecue here. He's got a question. What is your favorite thing to smoke? Uh, so I have two. Uh, my favorite was, uh, it's one A is uh, pork belly. I think it's the most underrated cut of barbecue. Um, like, and one B would be beef ribs. Um, like, to me, uh, to me, they're better than brisket. And they take, they don't take as long. Um, and they, to me, that they're richer, their flavors better. But if if, if you only say I get to pick one, it's probably pork belly. It's mm. so good, and like it's, and it's it, you don't see it a lot, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, pork belly's fancy bacon, right? Like that's how I always sort of try to yeah. quickly describe it to people, and it is a very flavorful uh, piece of meat. I I'm a huge fan. I I think pork belly mac and cheese is probably one of my all time favorite dishes uh, that we did as a restaurant special. Um, I got I, so you were in corporate america for a while well for a quick descriptor of your background like what made mm-hmm. you decide you know because you built up a nice little career there um you know the the nonprofit that you worked at was a really cool thing in lexington uh what made you th- decide to go all in on the entrepreneurship dream when you already had such an established reputation in in corporate america well so when i was at uk um i was you know if you know who worked for uk I had amazing benefits and for a long time I wanted to pursue this dream, but I couldn't walk away because of my benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, you know, I have, I have four children, a wife and it was just, it was kind of like chaining me to that job. Um, when I, I took the job, the golden coach, handcuffs, right? Yeah. I gave it, it was hard. I mean, it was impossible to walk away from. Like I had what you call quality of life. Like I, I was off during the holidays. I didn't work nights really. You know, I had retirement, vacation, great insurance, you know, all these things that just kind of, and, and I was going to school and they were paying for that. So it was like so many reasons for me to stay. Um, so once I finished, 
at UK, I, I started the job at Food Chain. I, I kind of I got a point where it's like, um, UK was outsourced by a larger company, and I still worked for the university. So I was at this point where I was just stuck. There was no going. There was no climbing the ladder. I was going to be a cook there until the day I retired. Um, and it, um, it. So once I got away from the UK and I did the food chain thing, I planned on doing that for a while. Um, but I, it was time for me to like to, to stay home and look after my family and take care of them. Um, and once I did that, like I said, well, I can't just you know, wait tables part-time forever. Um, so I was like, let's, let's go for it. Like now I'm not, I'm not handcuffed to that job. I can do whatever I want. Like when I left UK, I told myself like, if food chain doesn't work out, I'm free. You know, I can go do whatever I can do whatever I want. Um, so that was, that was the big step. It's like just getting away from, from them. And I said, and I love my time in UK. I love the people. It was like, it, it really kind of backed me into a corner for a long time. And now that I don't have that, I can do what I want. You know, mm-hmm. people ask like, "What do I cook?" And it's like, "Well, that's the advantage of the truck. Like, I can I change my menu almost daily, um, so I cook what I want, and it's it's, pr- it's it's pretty fun. Like, you know, I can make up stuff as I go along. I can, or I can go back to stuff I made before. You know, I can do what I want. So it's that's the biggest part of it. And you know, mm-hmm. folks ask me a lot, like, do I ever plan on going into a restaurant? And my answer to that is. Probably not. Like it take a lot to pull me into one at this point, um, just because I because I have the freedom to take off, um, you know, spend time with my family. Um, like I, I say, folks, if I, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I wouldn't go drop three million dollars on a brand new restaurant. I'd probably just buy a larger and more a nicer food truck and just cook when I want and take a few days off or months off when I want. So it's a really good distinction there. And I, and I don't want people to miss that because what you're talking about is you, you're an entrepreneur. And so many times when people hear that somebody's an entrepreneur, we have this default in America where we go, Oh, you got to scale. You got to be in every state in a thousand locations and you got to do all the things. And, and that's not what everybody's dream is. I mean, what you have is a amazing lifestyle business. You're a you 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 own your job, but it's not a bad thing. It's a you you like you said, you get to work when you want. And I hate that so many people in that get into entrepreneurship feel that pressure to scale and grow. Like, I mean, I, you've already mentioned it. Like, how many times people ask you? when you can open a restaurant, like everybody's default is bigger, 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 faster, 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 yeah. more, more, more. I mean, that killed me. It killed me, it killed my company. Yeah. And I, I wasn't strong enough at the time to fight it. And so like, I think it's really wise of you. Yeah. Like, and it's like, I look at it now, it's like, you know, where would I be if I would have went that route now? Like if I would have tried to start a restaurant before COVID mm-hmm. with a lease, you know, like, when I parked it, I like I had no like I had nothing to worry about. Like I had to pay the insurance, but it's like you paying you know car insurance. Like it's mm-hmm. that's it. Like so, you know, you see all these restaurants. Like we're losing. I'm not sure if, how much COVID, but we're, we're losing restaurants left and right. Yeah. Um. And like like good ones that were doing well. Yeah. Um. Just just because they can't recover from from that. Like I seen the sort of that the the mall is in trouble. Like mm-hmm. I, like how does that happen? How does the you know, the biggest shop mall in the state in trouble. Mm. Um, I got a good so. question from Zach here. He's, he's asking, how are you, how are you recreating yourself? And I think what he's really trying to ask here is, you know, pre COVID you had a certain business plan. Maybe it's not written out officially, but sort of in your mind, you're like, this is how I'm going to make money. This is how I'm going to make this work. What's been like the biggest pivot since COVID hit for your business that, that has worked the best. Um, so, since then, like, you know, I had a lot, like when the truck was coming online, I was already doing catering and stuff like that, doing pop-ups and stuff. So I already kind of had a very, a small following. Um, the truck hit, you know, I got a little bit of press, local press. So of course all the calls came in, flooded, you know, the system, like, Oh, we want your truck here. We want your truck there. And COVID hit. And a lot of those canceled. I had weddings that went from 200 mm. to 10. Wow. Um, 
you know, employee appreciation parties canceled, like all this stuff just canceled. But the biggest, I guess, thing what I've learned actually this week is that a lot of neighborhoods are bringing food trucks to their neighborhood now, which you would think like like that wouldn't be a thing, but it's that's a thing and it actually works really well. I talked to a few other operators here in town and, and like I was like I hadn't done one yet, and they're like, dude, you got to do these, and that's the biggest pivot is like learning. I said the the model for food trucks is probably one of the best ways to go right now just because you because of the flexibility because of the setup you know like so I was at, at the garage bar today and they have all those tables outside and I pull up I'm essentially like a mobile like I, it's, it's, it's a restaurant mm-hmm. and then I shut it down you know and I don't have to deal with you know turning tables and you know menus and all that kind of stuff like that that a lot of other restaurants you know have to deal with yeah there's some real flexibility there and flexibility is like a godsend in this current yeah. environment i mean um when you're in a brick and mortar store you can't pack it up and move you can't go to where the people are you're no. desperately hoping that those people come and see you uh so 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 let's move on to the food truck part of your story man like how first off i want to know where did the name daughter southern come from so since culinary school, like I, I went to culinary school, I was I'm a classically uh, French trained chef. Um, but I'm being honest, I like I, I that wasn't my deal. Like, mm-hmm. um, it like it was like I I, I had the skill set, um, um, but I'm all my heart's always been here. I was kind of like a not an outcast in a bad way, but I was kind of like an oddity, I guess is a better term. Mm-hmm. Like, because I was from Kentucky, everyone I, I went to, I went to school in Pittsburgh. So everyone's from like the north, and I was kind—I of, was weird. Like, I remember having a discussion with them about biscuits and gravy at McDonald's. They thought I made it up, you know. I, and I was like, "What do you mean? Like, every McDonald's in the world has biscuits and gravy?" He says, "No, they do not." So I and, left uh, like, class uh, and went gravy across at the McDonald's, to McDonald's. Is fire. It's so good. People don't know. Don't well, sleep on McDonald's gravy. It's—it's it's not bad. Well, they don't even know that it's a dish. Like they were like. You, you, you eat what? I was like, mm-hmm. you take a biscuit and you put gravy on it, and it's delicious. And they're like, no. I said McDonald's has it. So I left class after class, went to McDonald's to see what's on the menu, and sure enough, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was kind of like an oddball because of like my passion for Southern food. I actually got a, a bad grade on a test because I put um, tomatoes and cottage cheese as a salad. Like in in Kentucky, that's a that's a salad. Like, wait, tell that story. What happened? Like, you were in culinary school when that happened? Yeah, yeah. I got a, I got, I got a. I didn't get. Where did you go to culinary school too? I don't think I asked you that yet. Oh, I went to uh, Pennsylvania Culinary in Pittsburgh. Okay, uh, Pennsylvania Culinary Institute. But like, we had to do a menu, and I did, I did a southern menu. I can't remember the other items on the menu at this point, but the salad portion of the menu, I, I put cottage cheese. And tomatoes as like a southern a salad, and the and my teacher marked off my test like she didn't like it. She's like, "That's not a salad." I was like, "Where I'm from, that's a salad." Like, what did she say when you said that? Like, what? She did. She didn't care. She's not like, here. We don't do that here. Not here. No. And I, like when I said gravy in my sauces class, I I got yelled at. Like, <laughs> like the the, the he saw, he showed us how to make brown sauce. I'm like. That's gravy. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and he just got really upset. But if you call it so, sauce, guess, you can charge like thirty percent more, though, man. And if you're going to yeah. work at a fancy restaurant, you needed that thirty percent matters. So. Like, it's like I, I've been making gravy for like that point. Said so I started working when I was fifteen, and I've been cooking professionally for you know all of high school. Um, so, like, I knew a lot of the stuff. I just went for like the other stuff that I didn't know, like you know how to properly hold a knife and learn you know the experience more than anything mm-hmm. um do you think culinary but, school was worth it at the end of the day so here's here's my my official position on culinary school now no um mm-hmm. i enjoyed it i loved it It was a great experience but i have my kids one of my kids wants to be a chef and a science teacher i don't know how that works but she wants to do both um but if if a kid out of high school says, "Hey, I want to be a chef," 
college. I'm going I'm to go to college school. I'm going to talk them out of it or try to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a ton of money first. And you can learn more in a restaurant under a good chef than you could at, at culinary school. And they pay you to do it. They pay you to learn. And if you hate it in three years, you can just walk away. You know, you've paid your bills for three years. You've learned a, a skill that you hate. Fine. If you no spend debt. all the money for, and with no debt. Mm-hmm. So when you go to culinary school, you get a ton of debt. Um, and like a lot of my friends from school don't work in restaurants anymore. Like one of my, my best friends from school, he has a lawn care company, mm-hmm. um, which he's very successful, but he got burnt out, mm-hmm. you know, that Food Network um, that stuff, happens. man, those those sexy TV edits, they make it look fun. Gordon Ramsay's having a good yeah. time. I want to do what he does, but that ain't it. Yeah, oh, it sounds fun, <laughs> but like you're better off going to find someone and working under them and, you know, work there for a couple of years, learn some skills, go somewhere else, work, learn some skills, and just work your way up. Because, I mean, you don't – it's not like being a doctor or a lawyer. Like, you don't have to have like an official certification to be a chef. Like my, like my father I, – I, I, he, I think, I mentioned he finished high school, mm-hmm. um, and he is—he was one of the best chefs I ever worked for, um, as far as you know his his level of talent. So, and you know, it's not a thing that you necessarily need. Like I, I don't knock anyone who chooses to go. If you make the choice, that's fine. Um, you'll learn some stuff, but you better be sure that this is what you're going to do forever. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you spend a lot of money and time that you didn't need to. And even when you come out, you still have to go work in those same restaurants. Like you don't come out and become Gordon Ramsay. That's, and that's you don't a make any more people... money. You don't make no. any more money. No. Mm-hmm. All my degree did me in the beginning was, was it opened the door for that mm-hmm. first interview. And honestly, the chef is going to tell you, look, this is how you learned how to prep carrots in culinary school. Here's how I want it done in my restaurant. Yeah. And guess which way you're going to do it. Oh, the guy well, that's signing your check. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, it. I'm always, I'm always a fan of of apprenticeships, man. Like paid apprenticeships, or if you can afford it, free apprenticeships, internships. Those are always a better way to go for me personally. Like I learned, I, I think I learned way more running a business for six years than I would have got in an MBA program. Like honestly, like I bet in the last yeah. year, couple of years of you running it, you you don't feel like you need to go back for a business degree. I mean, it's not, it's just not no. going to be beneficial for you. No, I got. I was going to college at, uh, when I worked at UK simply because I, it was just paid for, mm-hmm. and it was like I was leaving money on the table. If that makes any sense, yeah. like yeah. Well, if it's like, free, that's different. You know, you know it's it's yeah. it's good. But it's a good thing. Since to have I left, if like, it's free. since I left, like I finished my associates when I um uh, when I, right before I left UK, and I've had zero desire to go back and spend more money. And and, yeah. and I'm not going to sit here. And, I'm not banging. I want to sit here and bang on college all night. Like college is good. Like I hope all my kids, if they they want to go to college, they can, but I'm not going to talk to any of them going to culinary school. Yeah. Um, and mm. you know, some, some people who went to culinary school might disagree, but that's just, you know, I see my, I see my debt and, um, <laughs> you know, there's just like another path, a lot of stuff. you know, yeah. there's another path and it's, yeah. it's just a little bit, uh, it's, it's better for you financially is what it sounds like. It, it just, yeah. anytime you're going to get paid to learn if, versus paying to learn, is yeah, especially if you're, if you're young, like, Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, you got all the time in the world to, to, uh, to, uh, um, figure it out to, to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we, we chased a rabbit tail there, but I, I do want to hear, uh, uh, how, where did daughter Southern come from? So you were in Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, back that up. So yes. So I've only done Southern food since I was a kid. Um, it's my favorite kind of food next to barbecue, which is essentially the same thing. So it's kind of like, like an offshoot. Um, so when I was trying to figure out what to call it, I wanted to people to know like this is what I do. Um, and then I have four children um, who are all daughters, and I, I tell myself that eventually, if I do this right, it'll be theirs. So calling it Chris's Southern would be kind of I don't know. I, I felt like it was silly. It just it's, it sounded good. I was like, well, I have four daughters. And it's it's almost like calling it, it Lyle's Barbecue. <laughs> There you go. But see, at least your kids would still be named Miles. That's like, true. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, yeah. My daughter, I got a daughter now. So if she married off, like, she's probably going to change his name. Oh, yeah. That's true. 
Oh, so you but, got the daughter. Yeah, so, so, so it's named for the daughters then. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. pretty much. And it's funny. Cause like most of the time, like I only have guys working on the truck with me. Mm-hmm. So we at least one customer every couple weeks and say, it's called daughter Southern. Where, where are the daughters? <laughs> I'll send them the dudes. I'm like, well, the oldest one's 14. What do you want me to do? Like calm so, down. Do they ever get on the truck and work with you? Yeah, they have actually. Uh, so my oldest daughter, she's um, she she she's worked on the truck a, a couple times. Um, my other three, they were there for the first event, like running food and stuff like that. Um, uh, I have a ten, eleven uh, year old, who who that's the one who wants to be a teacher, a science teacher, and a chef. Um, she's really into it right now. Um, that might change like with them. It's like my goal is hopefully in a couple of years when they're all of age, like some weekends I can just stay home and like I can give them the keys and they can just go do it. Like, um, but, but yeah, they have a, a little bit, they're disappointed. They're so they're, you know, the oldest one's 14, 14, 13, 11 and nine. So oh, that's cool. They're, they're not quite there yet. Yeah. But that's, that's gotta be fun as a dad to be able to like pass your, like craft off to your kids just like your dad passed his craft off to you yeah well well i've I've told my my wife a few times is that you know i like i have my education but i also have my dad's you know teachings from a young age so i'm passing all that to them Mm -hmm. so they if if they want to do this they'll be like i think one day i'll i will reach you know i'll hopefully pass my dad's skill set, but they'll be greater than both of us. Like it kind of like it just continue to grow yeah. because they'll have all that knowledge that, that I've had and they'll learn on their own as well. So well, only psychopaths want to be better than their children, right? Like that's not yeah. nobody, everybody. No. I want Charlotte to be better than me at whatever she decides to do. Like if she picks up this marketing sales sort of thing that I love to do, then awesome. And I hope she's 10 times better than I ever was. You know, that's, that just means you're a good dad, man. Yeah. At the end of the day, well, that's it. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, so, so you got the name locked down and then you went the food tent route just like we did. Uh, why did you do that in the beginning versus just going out and, and getting a truck? Um, honestly, they had me money, <laughs> you know, I feel um, that. <laughs> so like, I didn't have, I didn't have any money. Uh, I, I was already, uh, you know, I still have my school loans to pay for. Um, and I saw an opportunity to, you know, uh, buy some equipment. Like I bought a small fryer, a small flat top. I already had some tables. Um, I had like just random stuff around the house. Um, so I did the first, the first like tent event. Um, like, you know, like I had a, a gas grill, like it was a real, like this, when, when you, when, if, if, if you were, have ever seen my tent set up and then walking onto my truck now, like and realize how far, like how far it's come, mm-hmm. like it's pretty impressive. Like, and how long were you, you in know, the tent for? Like it was a couple uh, of years, About right? four years. Four years. Almost yeah. four years. Yeah. That's all, like, so like from 2016 until this year. What was the. Like, so four years is a long time to be grinding. And for people that don't know, like when you set up a tent versus a food truck, like food trucks, you're still setting up and tearing down every night, but it's still at least contained in this unit. When you have a tent, there is no unit. There is your cars and maybe a trailer or maybe a truck. Like it's so disorganized. And and I got a friend that loves operations and it would literally give him a stroke if he saw the inefficiency that was setting up a tent and tearing it down. Plus you got to deal with the health department every single day that you set up, yeah. it is a, it is a truly nightmare situation. If you see somebody selling food out of a tent, they truly love and want to sell oh, yeah. you their food. Like it is a labor of love at the end of the day. And it's a great way to learn and practice. Um, but having a truck is way better. So I, I set all that up to say, for those that don't know about a tent, like, like you're going through that. You did it for four years. I did it for six months. I would have, I don't think I could have made it four years. Like you're, you're a yeah. better, better ass than I am. Uh, what what's the low point? Did you ever doubt the dream? Because I mean, you've come a long way, and you get this beautiful truck now. Like what? So walk us through that. Like, so with the tent, the first year, I did the first event, 
And um, it kind of, 2016 was a tough year. Um, I did the first event. The next day, uh, I lost my dad. What? Um, wow. The very next day, yes. I lost my dad. Um, was he able to so come like, to I, the night before and see you he, launch it? Yes. Wow. Yeah, he, he um, he had been he'd been kind of sick, but he like he, he I remember him coming by and getting food, and he went home. And he actually came by the house after I already shut everything down to see me. Um, I got the call in the morning that he had passed away uh, that, that night. Um, three days later, my best friend who um, he was diagnosed with uh, cancer. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the the biggest roller coaster of a week. Um, ever and so he actually helped me work on work under the tent because he couldn't really work a full-time job anymore um, because his lung cancer had gotten so bad um but he'd do like a week a a night here a night there and you know he just and more or less gave him something to do so we got to hang out pretty much the whole summer his last summer um wow before he passed um so we did i did that 2016 like i did like once once a week you know, I was still working my other job, so I did like on the weekends kind of thing. 2017, I was like, well, let's let's go in, let's let's, you know, because when I work for UK, when I work for UK, I was actually off for two months in the summer, so it's mm-hmm. perfect timing. I can just take it the summer, I can do it, I can just you know grind it out. Um, did it for a couple weeks, and you know, as you know, like under that tent, like you you, you got to deal with the health department. So you're 50 bucks in the hole for the health department. Um, as you know, with barbecue, you're, you're up all night, you know, cooking that stuff. Um, and you have a couple two or $300 sales nights. I'm like, like, man, is this worth it? Like, like I didn't lose any money, but the opportunity cost is crazy. Like I spent 16 hours dealing with this for 200 bucks. Like I can go work my other job and, so like I kind of slowed down. Um, I didn't quit. I just slowed down to like every once in a while, kind of keep my name out there, and and catering, catering. You know, a catering job is always a win. In that um, moment, so, though, when you're when you're sitting there and like you're an entrepreneur and like this is a dream, and then all of a sudden you're slowing down on your dream. How how do you feel when you look in the mirror and you go, I backed this down because I kind of had to because I've got four daughters I'm providing for. Like, what does that feel like? Um, I just felt like it wasn't, it, it wasn't my time. Like, um, I'm, I'm, if you're familiar with, um, from like, when we were here, Wita, Wita Michael, she has the Holly Hill and all that stuff. A couple of years ago, she gave a, she was talking at a, an event we were all at. She was like, I speak on the microphone. She was saying like how back in the nineties, the, it was a is a, a women's chef event pretty much. Just said back in the nineties, it wasn't like this, and that kind of it struck me. I was like, wait a minute, she's been grinding since the nineties, and she's successful. She does, mm-hmm. you know, she has very she's great restaurants, she has great reputation around town. But that's you know, so I was so I was myself, it's not my time. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it's it's just not my time, like. You know, like, like you said, the Food Network star and the top chefs of the world, like, it's, it lets people give them a false sense of, like, how fast it should be. Um, and it was my time. Like, I actually seen a, a graphic the other day that I think maybe you shared it or the Gary Vee graphic. Was that you that shared I'm that? Sure, yeah, yeah. Like, where it showed him, like, where he was in his – Yeah, yeah. Working in his wine store and mm-hmm. he, like, you know, it's it's not it's not overnight. Like, it – it sucks to slow down. Like when I when I decided to park it for COVID, like it it hurt because mm. I was super excited. Like like it hurt emotionally. Like, like I would say, like it like it. I was super excited. I've been you know waiting for this truck for a long time. Four years. You're dreaming about this thing. You know, I got it. Yeah. I got it. I got the permits passed. Like. You know, the first event was rough. Like we got our tail kicked. It didn't, it didn't go where I wanted to go, and I just I wanted to, my second shot. You know, just to to prove that we could do it. And, and then I I made the decision just to shut it down. Like mm-hmm. it just and it it, it hurt. Like, it hurt bad. Yeah. Um, but I just said, you know, we waited four years. Let's well, couple more months. 
you know, you guys kind of keep a positive attitude about it. I love that, man. You're, you're, you're perfectly describing what Simon Sinek calls the infinite game. You know, it is a long-term mindset and you're, you're fighting for a worthy cause. Like you are, you are going after legacy for your kids and your family and, and your, your dad. I mean, it's, it's an amazing story, man. It really is. Um, man, I just, you knocked me back a little bit, man. I gotta, uh, I gotta admit that's, that hits me cause I, I'm family business too, man. So I, I understand, I understand how much it means. I really do. So I kind of want to ask some technical questions now when it comes to the food truck itself. Like I don't necessarily need to know how much you spend on it, but, uh, uh, one of the viewers here, chicken fried barbecue, he's got a question. What is the average cost of a food truck? I know I've seen them run, uh, like I know for a fact, uh, there's a pizza food truck with a giant pizza oven on the back of like a shipping container truck. And they spent like a hundred plus thousand dollars on that truck. So what's the average cost? Like it's, uh well so from the ground up i'd say the average is probably well it depends on size like i like i like i'm a i'm a big dude um and i needed a big i wanted a big truck and i, and I, and I want to do a lot have a lot of flexibility in what i can do mm-hmm. so my truck my truck's pretty big um i would say they usually anywhere from depending on the size 30 to average i'd say 70 or 80 wow this depends on who like that's that's an average i i talked mm-hmm. to one one builder who said and give you a little idea of who, this, who they built the truck that gordon ramsay used on that new show he has have you seen yeah. it uh 24 like the, hours to hell and back I yeah think. they the same company that built that one it was like they sent me a quote they wouldn't even tell me on the phone how much it was going to cost they emailed it to me it was like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars so, or 160. It was 160. You could open and it a wasn't Gordon Ramsay's truck. It wasn't Gordon Ramsay's truck. So I was like, man, you can build. Like I said I could. You could build a small, like a decent sized restaurant for that much money. So I didn't build. I didn't go through them. Um, I will kind of give a plug for the company that built mine. There's a company out of DC called El Haj Food Trucks. Um, mm-hmm. They actually, so they build all different kinds of different sizes and stuff like that. Um, they're you know really good to work with you i went up paid them a deposit designed the truck um in early december it was built done ready to roll by the end of january from like when i was there in december it was a a a shell i mean an empty an empty dorito truck that's what it was a frito-lays truck there was nothing in it and now it's got refrigerators and fryers and uh char grill flat top sinks all kind of crazy stuff in it. Mm. so what's the best part of being in the truck now like what is the thing that you're happiest about um like i'm kind of a like i consider myself like a hospitality nerd mm. like um i think i told you this before but like like when i when i go out to eat like i i notice more about the hospitality side of things anything like and one thing out um next time you talk i think i've told you before about your mom we ate at your restaurant once and I, I watched her from, from my table and she, and she's probably one of the most talented hospitality folks I've ever seen in my life. Like she's mm-hmm. really good at it. Um, and I wasn't, I was, uh, but that's to me, that's the, the best part of it. Um, mm-hmm. like having folks come up and say how much they love the food, mm-hmm. um, and how much they enjoyed it. Um, like the, you know, the, the money stuff is, I mean, obviously I want to make money, but the, just the idea that someone enjoys, like when I was out of work, um, for, for COVID, the toughest part was not interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, like I worked part-time as a server and when we, I got to go back, like I was so excited. Cause like, you know, you, you meet all kinds of people from all walks of life, like people traveling and just, you know, good people, sometimes people who aren't so nice. Um, but to me, that's, that's the best part of it. Like I, I still remember selling the first, the first sandwich at the first event four years ago and the reaction, like, mm. um, so to me, that's the best part, man. You got to love people. If you're going to own a business, you, 
you have to love people because I hate to tell you this, you're not in the business of doing the thing that you do, whether it be barbecue or lawn care or you're a dentist. You have to love the people that you're working with and working for. Uh, otherwise, you are going to fail fast and spectacularly uh, yeah. because you're going to end up blowing up at somebody and with all these camera phones nowadays, you'll probably end up going viral for the wrong reason. So yeah, that's awesome. So what is the, what's been the biggest shock? What was the thing that's, that you've been most surprised by um, owning your own business? Um, I guess more or less, you know, I got into it cause I like to cook. Um, is all the other stuff, you know, um, which I'm learning how to do, um, uh, slowly but surely. Like, like for example, getting the truck. Like I got the truck back, and it was here for three weeks, just waiting to get inspections and stickers and mm -hmm. all this stuff. And I worked on it every day. Like I, I made a phone call or did something for. And it was like two or three weeks to get all that stuff done. It was just so much. And it, it was so discouraging for me because like I've done this for a while, you know, I consider myself a somewhat educated person, mm -hmm. but all the folks that don't have that or resources, um, like how, how, like how, how can they ever do anything? It's just, just all the other stuff is, I guess, the one, I guess the toughest part. That That's that old sense. adage. It's you're the, you're the CEO. You're the chief everything officer. You, yeah. I think that's the thing that took me the most by surprise is that I got into it because I loved backyard barbecuing. I loved having fun. And I was like, let's just get, you know, we might as well get paid for it. Like it's expensive hobby. So let's get some more people to get in here and crowdfund this thing. And uh, I thought I was just going to be making barbecue all the time, but you end up doing sales and you're in human resources and you're in marketing and you're in customer service because you got to deal with Yelp and then you got to, you got to do outreach and business development and, and admin. And like it, it literally, when you're a one man band, like you are, you're, you're doing everything. Like it is a, yeah. don't, uh, I think it was Michael Gerber talks about it. Uh, you go from being a technician to a actual like you, you, you run the whole business now. You're not just doing the one thing anymore that you're actually good at. Now you got to develop a whole new set of skills. So what are you doing yeah. to develop those skills? Do you think it's just practice makes perfect kind of thing or like YouTube's your best um, friend now? What's the deal? <laughs> so what I'm learning is, you know, I am a big audio book guy and a couple of the books I've listened to, um, and my brain is not working right now, which ones they were, but, um, uh, the E Myth, the E Myth book. Yeah, are, you, are you familiar with that one? Yeah, yeah, that's what we were just um, talking about. Okay, so in that book, he's he, you know he he talks about how you you have to work, you know, on your business and not necessarily in it. Mm -hmm. um, and then as you grow, you like you design these, these these spots, and as you grow, you have to be able to pass this off. Otherwise, it um, it will tear you up. Mm -hmm. So an example of that is. First couple of years, I did my own taxes. Mm. Um, there wasn't a ton of income. Um, I hopped on Turbo Turbo Tax or whatever, you know, and then asked asked you questions and walked you through it. So I did it. Um, this year, I have a purchase of a large piece of equipment. Um, all of this stuff going on, I was like, I'm done doing taxes. Like, mm. you know, nah. Like, because that's not my, that's not my area. Like, that's not what I'm supposed to do, you know? And I'm okay admitting that. Like, I'm okay admitting, like, this is not my area expertise. Like, let them handle that. And, um, and it's, 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 to me, it's the best money I've spent. Like, you know, something simple as that is paying someone else to handle, handle that. Um, with, with the tenth of, like, the one thing, like, I was such a small space, you get used to doing everything. But now I'm having to, like, also, when I cook, like pull back and let other people run with it. And How hard tough. is that for you? Because I know for my mom that was impossible for a long time. Um, it's it's not impossible for me. Like I, I still want things a certain way, but like today, like we were making, you know, someone like tartar sauce today, mm -hmm. um, and I like I let someone taste it. And I said, "Well, you need more of this." I said, the other person tasted. Well, you need more of this. I was like, "You know what?" I was like. 
you're probably right. Not, not in a nasty way, but here, you, you, you do you. You knock it out. I trust you to handle this tartar sauce. And so I, I turned my back on it and went to do something else. You know, it's not like tartar sauce is not going to be the, the end of the world if it's not exactly how I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, it's not, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm better at passing it off than I, than, um, I have been, but I could probably be better at that. If that makes yeah. sense. That's good, man. It's good to be self-aware. You know, you know what you got to work on and, and what you suck at. And then you get people that are passionate about those areas and you let them handle it. And then you ain't got to worry about it yeah. anymore. What is the, like, what do you think one of the daily habits that most contributes to your success is? As an entrepreneur uh, specifically, because I know habits for a bunch of things. Um, in general, in life, like, I'm not very, um, like, organized um, as far as, like, 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 right, like my wife, she's like, when we go out of town, she like makes a list of all the stuff for the babysitters or, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And me, I would just spout all that stuff off and walk away. Um, one of my better habits is I've learned to like make lists and stuff like that because you get tired of um, forgetting the hamburger buns at the store or somewhere else. So I, that's one of my best habits now is is, is making those lists when I need to, and like a habit I'm, I'm working on is and it's, and it's, it's tough for me because it's not what I do. Like like I cook, like I'm a cook, is like just responding to emails and requests and stuff like that. Like mm. I you try to spend some time in the morning and and at least try to touch base with anyone I can. Um, and on Monday I, I catch up. I like. I literally will scroll through my email for the past from the whole weekend and 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 see what see what I missed. Um, yeah. But yeah. Those checklists, man, that was a game changer for me. I can't tell you how many last minute Sam's Club runs we made to go get hamburger buns or something stupid that we should have like uh, chafing uh, stands or fuel or whatever. Yeah. Like it. Checklists or ketchup will change like, your life. They are a giant pain in the butt to write out the first time and it, and I'm like you, man, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I like to live in the clouds. Let me do the vision. Let me do the fun stuff. Like, let me talk to the people. Uh, you get me down into the minutia of the admin stuff, like writing down checklists. It's brutal. But if you want to be effective and you can't afford to outsource that, spend all the time it takes to get all those checklists knocked out and it will free you up. It, what I realized was it just gave me freedom. It gave me freedom yeah. to confidently just be like, trust the list, trust the process, check, 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 check. We've got everything. I don't have to freak out about it. Because before I had the list, every time we drive to an event, the whole time I was thinking, what have I forgotten? And instead of focusing mm-hmm. on getting ready for the event and getting my head right for customer service or whatever, like I'm now I'm thinking freaking out to get the propane tank. Checklist yeah. solves all that. Uh, what is the what is the biggest piece of advice you would give a new entrepreneur um patient just you know nothing nothing that you want to do is gonna very very, it's never gonna just be overnight it's just not like you know like four years was a lot was a, a, a long time but it it went by pretty fast um looking back on it but Days are long, it's years are gonna, short, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it just—it's not going to happen like as fast as you want it to. It's just not. Mm. It's just better just to be patient and um, let it, let it run its course, you know. You know what I love from this episode, and, and we're coming to the end here. I I love the theme that's developed of passion and patience. You know, I think that's the key to your success as an entrepreneur to this point is that you are a very, very passionate person and you play the patient long game as well as anybody I've, I've met in a long time. And I think that new entrepreneurs, including myself, uh, as a little bit more seasoned, but it, it, passion and patience will take you a really long way, um, in this world. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I said, you know, I said, I know like we're not. Like we're slowly like growing and we're not done, but it um it, it's the biggest thing is like you know patience and like when something bad happens you got to just kind of try to you know survive it you know like I said 
2016 was awful as far as, you know, I said my dad, my, 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 my friend, but the silver lining was like, I got to spend a lot of time with my friend before he passed mm-hmm. and I got to start this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and 2020 has been terrible. I <laughs> think everyone has, you know, hated 2020, but the silver side lining was like, I got this, you know, got, I still got the truck, you know, you know, it's still, and, and we're going now, you know, I don't know where we'll be in, you know, a month, but we're still going matters. now. So. Perspective yeah. matters. And when you understand that it could always be worse and it probably is actually yeah. worse for somebody else, uh, it's really hard oh, yeah. to have a bad day, at least for me. I mean, that's, that's how I try to operate every day. I'm well, with you, man. Oh well, yeah. Like I'll see stories of like, you know, stuff that like, um, we did, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, the chef in Louisville that, that, uh, that was that was killed a couple of weeks ago um, mm. during all the protests, and that one hit me hard um, because like, well, that could have been me, mm. you know, like like that or that could have been someone like I was actually close to. Like I, I didn't know him, um, but like he was just a barbecue guy like me and you, like you know, mm. and you know I don't know the whole story behind it and you know all that stuff, but it was and but. Like you said, it could always be worse. Like, it sucked to be sitting home for two months, but, you know, that guy's family had to bury him. Yeah. You know? Like, so am I going to complain? Is it, am I going to complain about, you know, my truck parked in the driveway when there's stuff like that going on people have to deal with? No, I can't. Anybody that doesn't know who Jocko Willink is needs to get to know Jocko. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is or not, but he has an amazing not podcast. Um, he's a former Navy SEAL, but he's got this little this little speech he does sometimes where he calls it's called good. And the whole premise behind this is that you always look for the good in whatever's happening. You know, uh, you know, COVID shuts your, your stuff down. Good. We're going to find a new way to make revenue that we didn't even think about before. So that when everything goes back to normal, we're going to be ready to rock and roll. Good. Versus the mentality of like, woe is me. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and eat dirt and do nothing. You know, you, you have yeah. to – what you're preaching is right, man. You have to find that silver lining. You got to have perspective. And what what's the other option? Like your other option is you do nothing. And like there's a time for healing and there's a time to do nothing and, and to recover and recoup. But when you extend it beyond a certain reasonable amount of time, all you're doing is hurting yourself in the long run. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, going back – I hate to keep going back to it, but it's a big part of our story. When my, when my dad passed, I did the first event um, at a night market. My dad passed, and I was home for a week, um, you know, dealing with that, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And while I was home, I made the decision to go set up the next few events um, with with a local brewery. And when I went there, I went down and said, well, you know, I'm new. I'm working in a tent. There's probably already a food truck there or someone working. So if I get one or two days, um, I, that, I call it a win. Well, I walk in and I've known the guy for a while and they offered me Saturdays for the whole summer, the busiest day of the week. I'm like, okay. You know, and, you know, I was still, like, I was crushed. But I was like, I knew my dad would want me sitting around mm-hmm. just pouting and crying. Like he'd want me to go chase it. So I got up and we did it, and you know, you know, it, it was a wild ride. So I love that man. You know, you're, just, you're you're carrying the family torch. You know, you're 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 taking that good cane name and you're moving it on. And 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 I love that man. And I I think your story is really inspiring. And I'm I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy for all your success, man. I I really appreciate you coming on appreciate tonight it. after hustling. Like this is a hustler's hustler, an entrepreneur's entrepreneur, and a true burner in the kitchen this man is is the real deal and his food is the real deal and if you ever get to lexington like definitely try his stuff out chris chef thanks for coming on tonight man go ahead and let the people know where they can find you and then i'm gonna let you go get some rest man because it's well deserved i appreciate it um so you can find us on facebook um facebook slash daughter slash facebook.com slash daughter southern um, you can find us on Instagram, daughters underscore southern. 
um, Twitter daughters at daughters South. And we actually, during COVID, I became a web designer. Um, so now we have silver linings, baby, silver linings. Yep. Yep. <laughs> daughters Southern.com. So you can go there Here we go. and it's still kind of a work in progress, you know? Um, but it has links to all those pages. Um, you can get you one of these t-shirts, um, gift cards, stuff like that. Um, reach out to us. So, um, but yeah, and like we post all our, um, weekly stops every week, um, on the, on the, on the social media, uh, pages. Um, so, so yeah, um, just follow us there and check us out. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I can't, I can't thank you enough, man. I really can't. Appreciate everybody watching tonight. Please let us know in the comments below what your biggest takeaway from tonight's episode was. Uh, hit us up on Instagram and let us know any questions you have. Uh, Chris is a giver, man. He will definitely answer any questions yeah. he wants to pass his knowledge on. That's what true excellent chefs do. Chef? Yeah. If, if, if someone does wants to reach out just beyond the, the food and they have a question like you just said, please feel free. I, his his logo? I can by the way, his logo is amazing, and I'm trying to butter him up so he'll send me a free T-shirt. You know what I mean? So uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> we, we, we work something out. <laughs> it's the only reason. Yeah, it, it, this is all long con for the for that nice soft shirt, man. Well, I there appreciate it, man. We're going to let them all go. Uh, thank you all for watching. See you next time.